And a happy Thursday to you folks. It is a fabulous day today, and I want to talk about the word abundance today. That word gets thrown around all the time, and I think it's lost a lot of meaning, both in the world of energy and in the world of gratitude. So when you look at the world of energy, we have an abundance of natural gas, an abundance of energy, yet there are a lot of people out there that will not go down the path to abundance. Much like in the world of gratitude, when you think of a grateful mind, a grateful mind thinks about everything that has happened, giving thanks and trust that even greater things can happen and will happen again over and over again. When you think of the world of natural gas with the abundance, a great mind of gratitude can think of all the amazing things that natural gas, the abundance of natural gas can bring from heating homes to feeding our families to improving our quality of life. A grateful leader will almost always find a path to an abundant future. And one leader who understood that you are in charge of your own destiny when there is an abundance and gratitude out in the world is Henry Ford. And he said, whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're right. Now let's get this party started on a Thursday. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Jason Spees, that is Sterling. It is a Thursday today. Thursday. Thursday. Man, is it? Oh, it feels like we just did Thursday. Like, are we going to do this every week? I think we might have to, <laughs> as long as the Babylonians persist on the calendar. I'm going to start calling every, you know, like, there's going to be more days of the week. Right? I need an eighth day. I'm not going to tell anybody about 13th it. 13th month. The 13th month. Smarch. <laughs> Lousy smarch weather. <laughs> that is Sterling. My name is Jason Spees. Welcome to the fifth month, the sixth day of the fifth month. Cinco de Mayo yesterday, completely forgot. I, I, you know, it showed up on my calendar and I thought, well, I'm already drunk. I've never been a Cinco de Mayo man. Really? No, I'm more of an Ocho Ocho guy. Ocho Ocho. Yeah, I prefer Ocho Ocho. Is that October 8th? That would be. Okay. No, August. August. Oh, August 8th. 8th. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Well, it's like July 4th. Right. Times two. All I know is it don't need much of an sure excuse, man. Worked out on that one. <laughs> and we haven't even really been that thirsty yet on this Thursday. But, folks, we've got a great program in store for you. Let's see. What do we got? That? Oh, Tiffany Wilson coming That's in the right. second half of the program. And the work hard portion, she'll be on. And we're going to talk with her as well as a couple others at her new place of employment. Yeah, she just started up, didn't she? She did at Rolfson Oil. Of course, she's already announced it on social media, but I believe we're the first place that she's announced it on a podcast land. Okay. And so we've got exclusive. the right, and we've got the owner as well. Oh, oh yeah, just a little tease. Wow, for nice. You. Yeah, I know. We got all kinds of uh, activities and reindeer games. Yeah, well, it's been a busy week. But you know what? We I don't think we've done news all week. No. We so haven't. We should probably do some yeah. news. And there has been some, too. Yeah, I'd like know, to do kind of a catch-up. So catch let's up do a couple it. news stories okay. here. We've been previewing the Williston Basin Conference, which is coming up next Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, in Bismarck, North Dakota. And that's the kickoff of the summer tour. 
That's uh, after that. It's going to be basically you're going to look up again, and it'll be October. Well, because after you know? that, we got to go on to Texas. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then Colorado. And right. then, oh, hang on, hang okay. on. Here. Okay. Well, there's more so in you, Texas. Are you ready for? We got to get like that. Um, that little uh, vacation. With the car, <laughs> maybe get Pac-Man to chase us too. Get a Space Invader to shoot us out of the. But we we, we should put a map together. Yep, I've got one that shows all the different areas. Put it up but, on the crude line. But actually, kind of show the routing, com. the logistics and the routing because, yeah. okay, we start in Fargo and then we head down to, oh, where are we going first? We're going to uh, Bismarck. Bismarck. So we're heading west. Mm-hmm. Head west, young man. Yep, that's about two two and a half hour drive right there. Oh, it's three. Is it? Uh, two and a half. Depends three. on how you drive. Two and a half, three. You got to stop and steal for Frackleberry Hound. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 yeah I got to, I got, I, I have to bring you the got mascot. Kids. <laughs> so we're going to Bismarck and then we're coming back from Bismarck to Fargo. Fargo down to Midland. And that's Pro- what, about a two day stretch? That's a two day stretch yeah. minimum. All right. Because if I stop in Oklahoma City or Omaha mm-hmm. or. Wichita, yeah, we'll see yeah. how that goes. Plus, Frackleberry's going to want to hit every single river, fjord, and lake you pass. I think I've already booked my my hotel for the week for the Shale Energy Resources trade show and OCI Permian Luncheon. I think I'm there for four days. Okay. Four days. Well, because it's like a week-long extravaganza. Yeah, it's a big event. Or so after that, come back to Fargo, another couple days, mm-hmm. turn around, go right out to Dickinson. Man, I'm getting That's sleepy. a five-hour drive. Yeah. Go right out to Dickinson to go and MC. Got to be high energy. Mm-hmm. Bach and barbecue, which, by the way, this year, I actually have a booth. So I've got to tear down, bring up, tear down. Mm-hmm. Somewhere I got to pick up like a thousand potatoes. <laughs> All right. Because that email came in, your potatoes are ready. Yeah. I'm thinking, okay, great, great idea. I had all these great ideas. How do you tr- transport a thousand potatoes? In now I'm man? in flipping execution stage. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Step three miracle occurs. If you read about man <laughs> finally snapping, <laughs> it might have be me. Right. It like, might be a me, and I'll be in uh, some sort of Italiano right. phrase. I was thinking like a falling down, like uh, Michael Douglas, you know. Yeah, but I'll, for me, I'll go crazy off the. Di- I won't kill anybody. Right. I'll just like I said, I'll just, just start pretending man. I'm Italian. Yeah. I'll just be like, hey, <laughs> folks, what's up? My name is Catacioni, Frigatoni. And then all of a sudden, work in an Italian restaurant. And I could see that. Be the crazy guy, you know? Well, why not? That might be the easy life, man. If you embrace crazy. And you can figure out a way to get paid for it. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best way to go. There was a Thirty Rock episode where Liz Lemon embraced like being this uh, old lady diseased. That's and right. She'd cough on the subway yeah. and so dress, she could get her own seat. Yeah, yeah, dressed like a bag lady, so yeah. everybody'd stay away from her. You yeah. know, and she had it figured out until the end. Yeah, yeah until the yeah. reality set in. But <laughs> you know, much like that, there's a vein of truth behind that. Mm-hmm. So. Anywho, what do we got for news today? You got some ready? We should probably yeah, we, plug we, in. And we're gonna, let's do, uh, I suppose, do two, see where we're yeah, at. Yeah, so, well, okay, so uh, talking about, um, this keeps coming up here, so pipelines, right? Yeah. So this is from the Washington Post. They're talking about a looming showdown as the Michigan governor Ooh. orders Canadian pipeline shut down. Looming, huh? Yeah. For, for Michigan's governor, the 645-mile pipeline jeopardizes the Great Lakes. For Canada's natural resource minister, its continued operation is non-negotiable. 
The clash over Calgary-based Inbridges Line 5, which carries up to 540,000 barrels of crude, oil, and natural gas liquids across Michigan and under the Great Lakes each day, is placing stress on U.S.-Canadian ties and raising questions about how the close allies will work together to fight climate change. I'm just wondering if this is as serious as the language in the story is describing. Sounds like in November, uh, because this Michigan is the Washington Governor, Post, right? Yep. Well, they still try. Yeah, they still try. You know, whether they got it, they have a bent or not. I'm not. I'm not getting into that. But what I am getting into is they they don't generally try to exaggerate too much with their language, mm-hmm. like the verbs and you know that they try to be somewhat normal on right you know they're not like well not not really trying to lead you everybody died when they saw george clooney with his hat on they don't get into that yeah it's not the sensational when i when i'm hearing words like clash and the the looming and that for them to use that language i you know i'm 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 wondering i guess we are in kind of some serious times oh absolutely you know i mean you got api coming out with the climate tax and Uh, Washington Post using blogger language. I mean, this is clickbait language. Yeah, definitely. But that's yeah. why I'm wondering. Going, I, I think this is actually kind of normal. This is this is acceptable. This well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know that there's really any standard anymore. Well, you know? like the clash probably is a clash because it sounds like it. It's it, a pipeline or no pipeline. It's a pipeline, yeah. And it sounds like it's pretty dire. In November, the Michigan governor Gretchen Whitmer ordered the firm to shut down the nearby 70-year-old lines by May 12th. She's a keep it in a grounder, I think. Like, um, fossil fuels be gone. I think she's... I think so. I, I really think so. If not, she certainly plays one on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Canadians Council General in Detroit said a shutdown would have significant impacts on both sides of the border. He predicted efforts, efforts ranging from months-long propane shortages to higher costs for consumers to fuels being carried by rail, truck, or boat. You know, and those are less emission friendly. I mean, when you get down to it in North Dakota, one of the things that became a problem was just safety on the roads for the truckers and for the other vehicles. And then we had you get railhead issues, you know. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't I don't understand this particular fight. You know, in fact, this is almost like nuclear power in some ways. Is it it's actually the better way to go, but people are terrified of it. It's maybe it's easier to focus on, right? You can go after a pipeline easier than you can go after 600,000 trucks carrying the stuff. I don't know. I just don't get it. Well, it's easier to go after uh, a pipeline and a smokestack and an oil derrick and, you know, a rig and a well and these things because you can see them. Yeah. You know, but again, you start going in the NIMBY, not in my backyard, if it's not in somebody's backyard. They don't care. But, you know, okay, so I didn't realize this. The Line 5, that portion of it at least, was built in 1953. Line 5? Yeah. Okay, where's Line 5? So, Does it say? Yeah, it's... Line it's, 3 is in Minnesota here. Yeah, basically it goes right down from Canada across the Great Lake. Which, the which bridge Liquid Pipeline System. Oh, Michigan. Michigan, yeah, Michigan. okay. Michigan, yeah. yeah. Lake Michigan. That's why I'm not familiar with it. Okay. So I didn't realize it's been there, you know, 70-plus years. So, you know, what I'd rather see is... How about everybody talking about, let's update it. Let's make sure it's even more efficient. Let's make sure it can carry greater capacity, right? I mean, because the capacity limits they would have been thinking about in the 50s are probably quite different by today's standards. So why aren't we having that discussion? Let's make it safer. I I still think the issue is um, 
we do not need to go on this crash course they're trying to take us on. Because when you take us on a crash course, you're going to make bad decisions. Go read the history of Yellowstone. Consistent bad decisions that decimated that park just every decade. And that is pumping 100% of time and environmentalist energy towards something, you know, where they don't have anybody in their way. In Yellowstone, I mean, they can do what they want to do, but they almost took the elk to extinction and then the bears and the everything else and the foliage and, and raw sewage being pumped there. And we brought this up yesterday mm-hmm. with, with the industrial forest. North Dakota did this. I'm sure other states did too. Yeah, I'm not sure. But, oh, let's plant 10,000 ash trees. Well, then the ash beetle comes in and mm-hmm. takes them all out. Well, now let's plant a bunch of elm trees. Well, then the elm disease came and took them out. It, it, when you rush to do something, you don't think something thoroughly Yeah, understanding through. and sustainable. So when we look at, okay, if we're going to take pipelines out of the game, well, that that is going to have an unbelievable reverse impact on the cost of goods because we saw it happen already. The rail, yeah. they, they, they took the oil first because the oil people could pay. So BNSF said, hey, wheat, hey, corn, wait in line. Uh, and on a local level, I, I saw that. About Damn nine right. or ten years ago, I definitely saw that in small towns where there's propane shortages. And all of a sudden, there there was that issue. Yep. And then it rippled into there. But then all of a sudden, J.C. Penney's like, we're, we're hanging on here, and our T-shirts from Taiwan aren't coming over because you guys are shipping oil and wheat and corn and soy and pulse crops before you get to my button-up shirts. Exactly. You know, and so the, the ripple continues. Yeah. And I've got to believe that the more you pile into that logistic pipeline the more you know of, of boats and trucks the more likely you're going to have accidents slippage that kind of stuff you know what's interesting at least according to this article it doesn't sound like in the 74 years this particular section of the pipeline has been in place it has ever had a spill never it has ever had it, it's been there's apparently there's been some incidents in the last couple of years where the pipeline itself has been uh, partially damaged by boat anchors you know, people, commercial boats and stuff like that, but no leakage, but they're calling it an urgent threat. See, that, that's what I just don't get. It's like, why not address it as, hey, we'd like you to make your pipeline even more efficient. Why would, why would they call it an urgent threat? I don't get that. They don't say in there? Well, they do. They say okay. that if it, if it did spill, mm-hmm. right, if it did. Yeah, okay, if, yeah, okay, great. Yep. An oil spill into these waters would be culturally, economically, spiritually, and historically devastating. This comes from um, different Indian tribes in Michigan's, so that in the, from a brief that they wrote. And they talk about it as a sacred wellspring of life, and it's a cultural aspect of it. I, I get all of that. But what I don't understand is that that whole don't fix what's not broken, right? If anything... Well, I, what I don't get is, okay... I mean, yeah, if this thing was spilling every two years, then I could see where the outrage would be, you know? I, but to speculate, just to speculate, that's what that's what is dangerous because the bottom line is it's never spilled. And well, okay? th- that's, what's, that's what's interesting to me is that it's that old. Right. So you, it's not like it's a new pipeline where they're going, oh, it's going to cause all these problems. You've got 70 years. Yeah, there's a body of work. There's a body of work yeah. where you can say that it's been safe and so i don't get it well i get it they're just 
checking well, boxes yeah, and doing I mean, things to do things. But but it's what, so transparently what needs to be said useless. and what needs to be educated is that, okay, if the one side is going to do the what-if speculation, well, then the, the media and the government, and the government should be giving money to the media to give the other side to say, well, okay, well, what if you did take the, the pipeline out? Mm-hmm. Well, the cost of goods is going to cost this. The, actually, the air quality is going to get worse because the the uh, uh, ro- the trucks are going to have to, you know, be more on the road than yeah. before. Yeah. And you're going to be. I mean, that they don't do that. What if? Yeah. That's what they need to do is that what if, and to say, okay, so there you go. There's there's your options. Or if you just keep things the way it is, nothing gets spilled. Yeah. And oh, by the way, yeah, it might, but an asteroid might fall on your if you house yeah tomorrow. i mean if you look at the statistics and i don't have these in front of me but i'm just thinking if you look at the statistics of trucks and rail uh accidents and spills and deaths versus pipes right now when a pipeline leaks it typically leaks a lot right but when a rail when we had that rail spill a couple of years ago that was significant so i mean to me it just looks like it's it's you look at pipelines and go they are obviously the safer option it's it's just low hanging fruit for some reason because it's static. It's in the ground. Well, it's easy right? to do. It's just it's it's easy to pick on. It's almost like if if everybody had to live next to a slaughterhouse with glass walls, and they had to see how the sausage was made. What what would we define the this brand of leadership where they use bully tactics to act like they're the anti bully? Ha. <sighs> Yeah. Well, it's that. I think it's part of that. What victim culture? Whatever right? it is. I mean, that's I don't what know. They call it, but is that what they call it? Well, yeah. I mean, just the idea of it's like uh, I how I break it down in my mind is everybody's got a grievance, and so because everybody has a grievance, that means I don't really need to listen to what your grievance is because I've got a grievance. Who's that famous? Famous. Famous. Infamous. Why am I getting old? When all of a sudden, I'm, I'm pretty soon. I'm going to start pluralizing all my son's friends' last name. I thought you were just starting to sort of get your Shakespeare. Is on. that Johnson's boy? Thouest you know? verily. Who is that dapper young fellow? Who who is that media preacher that was holier than thou, and then he got caught with a uh, Jim Baker homosexual oh. prostitute and meth. Jeez, he was out of Texas. You'll have to be more specific. Ted Haggard. <laughs> Ted Haggard. Ted yeah. Haggard. So anyway, what else is in that story? <laughs> well, so it sounds like between uh, Canada Quite coming morning. down, right, uh, and uh, groups, uh, environmental groups, you've got Governor Whitmer. It's basically what that. That's about like th- five days from now. It's supposed to be shut down. Is this a international protest? It doesn't sound like it's really a protest. It's basically oh. It's well, with the language they're using. It certainly sounds like well, it. it's less of a protest and more the governor saying shut it down by May twelfth, right? Um, oh, the boy! I, I'll be honest. Um, and this is not a Trump comparison, so yeah. please do not think I'm Don't trying to. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to stand up for him or jump on him or anything. I actually thought there was a protest going on when you were reading the story. I don't see the anything language, in here that sounds like there's people standing in the The language street. you use, though, is generally language they would describe a protest. Sure. Clash. Right. Luminate. You know, yeah. it, so one could argue they're, they're, they're priming the pump. 
They're getting the protesters ready. Well, because well, this is international now, man. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You might, that might be the site of the first international protest. Yeah. Uh, unless there has been another one. I don't know. I just don't know of any in my lifetime. I'm not seeing any kind of protest uh, outside of... This is like skip the protest because it started at the government level. Well, we, they're they're happening daily in Bemidji. Right. But they're I just, mean... Only the local paper reports on them there. This was something that it sounds like the Michigan governor took on. And has done, and you know it's it's. Oh, causing... so she didn't. She's inciting it, huh? That sounds like it. Yeah, I like how I snuck that word in there. Yep. Uh, they say that continued operation on the line after May twelfth would be unlawful. These oil pipelines in the Straits of Mac Mackinac, Mackinac. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Are a ticking time bomb, he said. This is one of the spokesmen for the Michigan's governor. Macaroon, I think it's pronounced. Um, Macaroon. Uh, Mackinac. Right? Oh. Their continued presence violates the public trust and poses a grave threat to Michigan's environment and economy. Never cared for the macaroon. Thought it was overrated. Nah, me neither. Yeah. Women. Women, right? Canada has not ruled out invoking a 1977 treaty that bars officials from actions that would have the effect of impeding, diverting, redirecting, or interfering with the transmission of hydrocarbons in transit unless there's a natural disaster or operating emergency. Wasn't it billed as like a weight loss? Treat a macaroon because it's all light and fluffy. <laughs> no, it was like a it was like a fancy cookie, man. Yeah, yeah. But aren't they made out of like egg whites? I probably. I mean, they're a coconut maybe. In I mean, or it's a cookie, right? So how healthy is a relative term? During right? the snack well craze, when they snuck snack wells by by the health professionals, that for some reason snack wells was apparently yeah. healthy. To the where that was when if you came up with a name, truth, like, truth and advertising still was somewhat respected. That might have been what just shattered everything. Are you sitting over there reading a different article or something no, like I'm that? Because just all of a sudden just, you just bounced on with this. <laughs> well, Canada's pretty pissed, man. Blue car. They're a little by. upset about this, right? I, I guess what I found out it wasn't a protest. I just I kind of got stopped, yeah. No, I got a little disappointed because I'm just wondering what's going on with this. Um, why is why pick this fight? That's what I don't get. Out of all the stuff to report on, mm-hmm. why report on a couple people talking about a deadline? There's no reason to. This that's inciting. That's like that's like trying to rally the troops without any ra- reason to rally. Well, if, I'm pretty sure if the other side would have done it, and by other side, because that governor uh, from Michigan is pretty democratic, from what I understand, um, they'd be saying, you know, trying to storm the Capitol or whatever the heck. Um, I Just to me, the, the language is very aggressive, very aggressive for no reason. I don't think there's any reason to have um, that type of rhetoric back and forth. If you're Canada, if you're Michigan... It 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 seems like it's taking away from the fact that it's critical infrastructure. Yeah, that there hasn't been a problem over seventy years. Well, how many years was it? Yeah, it was built in nineteen fifty three. So about seventy four years or sure. so. Sure, more than fifty. More math. Yeah, more than six years. Well, that's what kind of blows more than line. ocho ocho is that is that most of the protests are centered around ex- new or uh, additions to lines, right? Most of the protests, the people out in the street type of stuff, you know, they don't seem to be protesting the lines that have been there for seventy years. Mackinac is the straits. Mackinac. That's the it's the rivers yeah. up there. And yeah. I must and be up in, in the it's UP. right through yep. there. Yeah. 
Yeah, not macaroons. No. I, I understood the difference. But was, if you were looking for a trivia question answer tonight on cookies, you're set. So, <laughs> Right? I think this is connected to the Alberta Clipper Pipeline. That's right. Isn't it? Is that mentioned in the story? No, it doesn't mention uh, that, but it does mention that about 50%... Pretty, pretty sure it is. ...of uh, natural gas and oil for... Yeah, the, the pipeline provides 53% of Ontario's crude, 66% of Quebec's, and 55% of Michigan's propane needs. So it's not just like a... Oh, you know, you'll just have to, you know, turn off the gas for a day or two. It's <laughs> you know, every time I go to a party, they always say, boy, you know your pipe. They what do, do we got say next? that. All right. This is from Midland. All right. Midland mayor working to change the oil and gas narrative at a national level. Patrick, Good for him. What's he doing? Patrick Payton tells News West 9 that advocating for the importance of the oil and gas industry is a conversation he plans on taking to Washington, D.C., so, will anybody be there? <laughs> will he have an audience or will he be on an oil barrel outside of D.C.? Wouldn't that be great, actually? He says uh, Midland Mayor Patrick Payton says that uh, he, we've been calling different mayors from all over the country and working with Senator Cruz, Congressman Cornyn, August uh, Fluffer, Fluffer, <laughs> and the Petroleum <laughs> Strategic Partnership. <laughs> it's spelled P-F-U-F-L-E-R, man. Sure which one's worse? <laughs> I don't either. Fluffer, Fluffer or Fluffer. Fluffer. <laughs> My apologies, Mr. Fluffer. <laughs> I thought Fluffer was worse. And August, okay. Oh, man. You so, know who Fluffer is, right? Yeah, okay. I, I, I do. When We don't need to sidebar that one. Kate's man gave us not the sponsor this week. <laughs> and the Petroleum Strategic Partnership <laughs> to build a coalition of mayors who can then go to Washington, D.C. with us and advocate for what it means to really be a nation of energy. Not just oil and gas, but hydro, nuclear, whatever it might be, because we really are the nation and the world's leader in energy. We want to talk about that with a wise voice, not a radical voice. I like this guy already. Bluefer? No, no, this is this is the mayor. Thank God when I meet him, I'll be able to pronounce his last name. This is Mr. Patrick Payton, mayor of I used to make up a name when I was doing the night <sighs> show. And I'd, I'd, instead of throwing a real politician under the bus, yes. I'd make up one, Senator Cornelius Plopper. <laughs> that was his name. Well, listen, what he says. He says, the convention of mayors is made up of mayors from democratic cities, people who really want to spend their time demonizing the oil and gas industry, Peyton said. So it's us to up us to step up to the plate and tell the story of the industry of energy, oil and gas, rather than letting the story be dictated to the public. We need to talk to this guy, somebody who's talking about a, a, a positive narrative. I'll hook him up with the mayor of Bismarck. He I'll says make that connection. See he, what happens. He wants to take the facts and talk the facts rather than a radical agenda with loud voices. He wants to be the calm voice. It's frustrating when absolutely that's frustrating for me because that that was actually our marketing slogan for five years. Right? Don't and, panic. And we pissed off people in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And now they want to go take that. And, well, it seems run to swing it. around, right? Yeah. You know, it's like everybody wants. Well, they, they want to act. They want to educate me on it. Yeah. Well, like you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 It's like you go to the butcher and tell them how to cut up a cow because you figured it out finally. Yeah, people love that. I know, right? When you tell somebody knows what they're doing, how to do their job, I get Isn't that. that. Great? I get that a lot. It's awesome. 
Yeah. Makes you feel, I, I get all excited in my chest. When Chefs people love do that. it. Oh Chefs man, love it! When Absolutely, you, yeah. When, when you send back you start the meal with a comment, no. When you start comparing your home cooked meal to yeah. theirs, oh yeah, they love that. Yeah. That's a good, and that's a fair comparison, right? Yep, yep. That's uh-huh. a good way to get a loogie souffle, man. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> so I, there's not a lot of other information in this. This is really just you oh, know, you it's local really news. took 800 pounds of veal bone and. Boiled it down to a thimble of demi-gloss. You really did that? Okay. Or did you go to Walmart and pick up a jar of demi-gloss? Can you even get that at Walmart? Uh, well, I'm sure with powder you can or oh, something. Probably. Anyway, you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah right. you got to start with this big, giant, breaking, yeah. bad, making meth of a vat. I rendered 500 pounds of elk bone. Totally to make a yeah. thimble of Jew. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know what? Maybe Frackleberry Hound would be a uh, truffle dog, right? Because you can make some serious bank. People pay major money, like thousands of dollars for a friggin' mushroom. That's on my bucket list, by the way. Go to truffle hunting? Have a, have, just follow a giant pig around looking for truffles. Uh, oh, that's right. It's pigs, too. Be- because at pigs. some point, if, if he doesn't find truffles... I have to laugh at myself and just say, yeah, I spent the day just following a pig around. Well, worst case, you have barbecue for dinner, man. <laughs> when, when you can you actually have mushrooms say, or ribs, baby. When you can actually say, what did you do last night? I spent four hours following a pig around. Why? Now, you well, got to be careful what part of town you say that in. Well, you're on my surfboard, baby. Let me be your boogie man. in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by Chewy Paws. All natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs. USA sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, chewypaws.com. That's chewypaws with a z.com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. 
Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome back to the Food Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. Tiffany Wilson coming up in the next segment, and we get into our work hard segment. We're going to do a little bit more news here today. Sterling here. Hello. Thirsty Thursday, man. Here's what I'm holding. Oh. Are you ready before we get into news? Oh, is it story time? Harry the Dirty Dog. We've been teasing this. Yeah. Of course, the cover, you've got this black and white spotted dog. He looks like an old beagle, right? Mm-hmm. Young Beagle. Cute looking. But he's got the kind of the doppelganger uh, inverted look going where he's all dirty. So it's good Harry and evil Harry. And he's got white spots. Mm -hmm. And then he's got clean Harry, but he's all white with black spots. Yes, to represent good and evil. Black and white. Absolutely. It it is. It's It's a very... Polarizing cover. It is. I Not remember a as, a, as, as a child, it made me uncomfortable. And when you flip it over to the back, it's um, the bum, same bum. thing. Oh my god! You've now got it's like the, a row shark test, man. What do you see? I see a dog that's smiling in the end because the dog is clean. Oh yes, down in the bottom. You There's see a, that? Yeah, and it's a happy, yep. sleepy dog. Yep. So I kind of want a nap now. I wanted to point that out because this is a book that I remember as a child. Yeah, totally. Now, when we were, we're going to do a little Musk math, a little pop quiz here okay. on a uh, Thursday. So we, you mentioned this book was 1950-something or another? I think 53. 53. The, yeah. Okay, so think about this. Let me t- I'm going to go to the front of the book here. Since its first publication in 1956, Harry the Dirty Dog has been one of the most popular and beloved children's book and you know what it was one of my favorites yeah that an oscar the otter oh i remember that one do you? Yeah, i do yeah oh, okay i didn't yeah. i thought no. that was more of uh whatever we had that one okay yep. sweet pickles were oh we favorites. had the whole sweet pickles okay. series yeah but harry the dirty dog i remember as a kid because he, he would hide the brush mm-hmm. and i just connected of course i had a dog so it was an easy connected yeah. connection but it was kind of my first exposure to soot. I do remember that because that was the issue. Harry went running out into industry. Yeah. He got he went out and had a great he partied, man. Yeah. He went out and partied. What what do the Amish call it? Oh, what was his walkabout or yeah, something? Yeah. The Amish walkabout. Like right. Ra- it's not Ramadan. No, it's, it's, it's some no, we're some just word totally like throwing that. words out now. But he goes out as as Amish walkabout, right? <laughs> he comes back and he's all dirty. Yep. And but he goes and hides the brush. That's right. Because he wants to get clean. Well, he gets clean and lo and behold, he's much They don't even right? recognize him, right? He's so changed by the industry. So what we have here is is a book 
that was put up by the government, right? I mean, they funded this, right? With the children's um, book network? Probably. Well, I don't is, know how that worked. Well, it was, it was kind of the Dolly Parton, Nancy Reagan thing, right? Mm-hmm. What was it called? The we- Weekly Reader Weekly Books. Weekly Readers. Yeah. I imagine that was a government program. Probably. Right, there was it? probably some government. Yeah, the, I'm sure it's si- yeah. some conspiracy with Simon and Schuster and, <laughs> and, and George Hurst and, you know, William Randolph Hearst. At the Hurst. time, I mean, that was, that, was, that was peak oil USA time, man, the 50s. Like exactly. That? However, what it did, it wasn't to children. Mm-hmm. So the children that were being born after 1955 started to get exposed that oil and gas and industry is dirty, especially coal. Mm -hmm. Coal was the big one in this. So when you think about it, when the 70s came rolling around, that's when the movies stopped. That's right. That's when you didn't have the cool Wildcat movies. Right. That's that's all of a sudden. So it's almost like they started in the 1950s. This is maybe like one of the first instances, huh? I mean, is there, is this tinfoil hat time here? Well, yeah, but or, I mean, that's or, fun. or is this Atlantic Journal citing sources this is like here? Deep level. Well, it is, right? Because right. if you if you're going to do the Musk math here, mm-hmm. okay? That's what we're going to call the Musk math to EV <laughs> carve land. If the kids in 1955, okay? Yeah. Started getting this read to them at nine, you know, in 1955 or whatever, 1956. In 1975 is about when they stopped with mm-hmm. the with the cool wide wildcattings. There wasn't too much in the 60s. The kind of it was it's kind of sprinkled, you know, but too much LSD. I think the, the 70s was the Toxic Avenger. Right. All of a sudden, you started getting more supernatural. You had the Clean Air Act. You had uh, Godzilla Nixon. really kind of take off with with uh, uh, radioactive and right. I mean, even Jason Voorhees came back to life somehow with with that. So never you, have figured that one out. So they they kind of introduced it in in different ways. But right. my point is is that. I'll tell you, it almost seemed like it started in the 50s, 55. It's interesting because now I want to start, a lot of the books I had as a kid were books that my mom or dad remembered when they were a kid. One of them was, I don't know if you ever had this one, Mike Mulligan and His Steam Shovel. No, I didn't have this that. This was one of my favorite books Mike as a kid. Mulligan. And His Steam Shovel. No. was written in 1939, and it's all about the transition from steam power and his steam shovel. He gets basically edged out of the industry by the new electric powered shovels, right? Look at this. <laughs> here's here's old dirty blue collar Harry the dirty dog walking along after he's went and spent a day with industry. Right. All the people in the fancy restaurant looking down on him. Literally looking down on down him. Down their noses. I know that's yeah. what I thought yeah. the noses. Yeah, and then look, no dogs. No yep. dogs allowed. Yep. No masks. So I think we could do a study, man, because in the 30s and 40s, they were talking about a transition there, too, from steam to electric and things like that. And then here in the 50s, you're starting to see that sort of creep in. You know, I remember a book that was written in the 70s. It was called, I think, Little Red Car. And the Little Red Car gets trapped in a lake full of uh, garbage and sewage. You know, that kind of thing. I love this book. Yeah, I think we need to take a break now and just read I even, it. I mean, it's here, like 10 I'm pages. Just smiling, looking just at, read it to us. I'm just looking at old Harry Aww. smiling when he finds his brush. So, all right, let's do some news <laughs> here. What do we got? Let's do some more news. 
Okay, well, I don't know if anybody else has been planning on doing any building or deck or new home construction, but probably right now you're having a little trouble. Lumber costs, lumber mania is sweeping North America. Um, I've been actually seeing whole like memes devoted to it where there's like a truck with a bunch of uncut lumber and somebody says, oh, what? No, police escort, right? Right, yeah. (laughs) That kind of thing. So prices have spiked and have been doing so really since the um, the Great Recession. So the situation is real. Demand for lumber has exploded in recent months. Suppliers have struggled to keep up. Much of the industry has, be- has been on its heels since the Great Recession and has slowed down production accordingly. Sawmill closures, these aren't easy to reverse. And uh, right now, prices have skyrocketed. For years, the price of 1,000 board feet of lumber has generally traded in the 200 to 400 dollar range it's now well above a thousand average new single family home takes about 16,000 board feet of lumber to construct a new house that would have cost 10,000 in wood to get off the ground a couple of years ago now costs forty thousand dollars worth of wood that's assuming you can get your hands on the lumber most people in the sector expected COVID-19 would induce an industry-wide slowdown Instead, we got an industry-wide boom. So this is interesting. You know, you're dealing with that. And then and tied into that, one of the major problems is distribution because like we were talking about with oil and gas retiring, this whole generation retiring, truckers, a lot of them took retirement, yeah. a lot of them backed out, and you've got a whole new generation of truck drivers that are in the pipe, but they haven't been trained yet. Right. You know, Because there's all this new training. Then- yeah. Um, Sounds like we could use some better infrastructure. What I'm gonna do you ask, think? I'm going to ask Rolfson Oil in the second half of the program here. We have the owner, so I might as well ask him about the COVID. Yeah. The COVID. How, how that's affected. Well, I ran into a federal checkpoint, remember? So that's the future. Yeah. COVID federal checkpoint. That was on a reservation, wasn't it? That Colo- was on a reservation. Yeah, Colorado. Yeah. yeah. Uh, South Dakota. Yeah. South Dakota. Sioux. Sioux Reservation. And... You know, that I'm not judging for why they did it or the rationale. All I'm saying is that's that's the normal now, is that just randomly a federal checkpoint because of COVID. Right. I mean, what, what are you going to do? Right. <laughs> They're looking at me like, oh, Colorado, huh? Uh-oh, there's the gloves. Here comes I've, the freedom search. I've seen enough zombie movies to know you're going to get your federal checkpoints, your temperature check. There's going to be dogs there. Or maybe that's Terminator. But, you know, yeah, I'm ready, man. Get your Terminator <laughs> checkpoints. Wouldn't that be something? Well, I the, the the one thing I took from that is it's going to be a very difficult summer for a lot of builders, and here's why. Over the last year, what I think happened, and you can take this to the car industry or almost any other industry, uh, they got money, and then they restructured. So... If a builder, for example, we'll just start with a builder because that's okay. that, that's an easy one to kind of kind of put into other areas because there's quite a supply chain and a lot of different things can affect a builder, much like an auto dealer. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, price of tires goes up. Well, there, there's your car goes yeah. up a couple thousand or bucks nowadays. Like the computer chips, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. You're right, and then you that whole supply mm-hmm. chain. So take a builder. Uh, they start with a lot, right? Start with a lot. Well. Generally, they go out and they buy 50 lots, Mm -hmm. and they're going to build 50 homes over the next three years. So they work with a construction loan, and generally those are, what, five years, three to five years, depending on what their projections are. 
Well, over the last year, a lot of those builders probably took a gamble that things are going to go back to next year to, mm-hmm. to at least 70% to the normal. Basically, they took a gamble that lumber was not going to go up times four. Yeah. So now they got this whole, you know, the, the corporations fighting people to not go back to work, paying people not to go back to work, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got small businesses risking everything to try to get back to work because otherwise they got to go on welfare. Yeah. I mean, that's that's true statement, right? That's a true statement. Call it whatever you want. It's welfare at the end of the day if you're just getting your unemployment check from, sure. the, from the government, right? right. Yeah. So you, you, you're dealing with that issue. So what these builders are going to be faced with, I can't build this house that I normally built for 150000 and charge two hundred twenty-five thousand for, mm. because now I got to build the house for two hundred twenty-five thousand or three hundred thousand. In this case, yeah. if, if lumber is going up times three to four, that would double the price of a house, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. So probably what you're going to start to see is uh, new we, house construction around here will probably only be upper level, right? I don't even know about that because if you're going up that much of a cost, mm-hmm. we're not talking a twenty percent increase. We're talking a 400% increase yeah. in a lot of areas. Yeah, in okay? a lot of those areas. Yeah, I mean, just simple lumber like two-by-fours. We haven't even gotten into nail, yeah. uh, nails and stainless steel and concrete. Right. I've Last six months ago, I heard a number of people bitching to me about concrete. I have absolutely no idea if the whole coal problem and fly ash mm-hmm. have anything to do with it, but I do know that the roads that you drive on do contain fly ash, which comes from coal. Right. Okay? Yeah. So, again, I'm not sure how the butterfly effect is working on That'd that That'd be interesting one. to find out. Oh, I think it'd be, I think yeah. it'd be fabulous Because my first out. thought is, is, again, is transportation, is logistics, is probably that, right? It's And, you know, with lumber, what they have is, is just uh, what they're calling it is a generational thing. You know, people that are in the lumber industry are like, this is not... Something most of us will ever see again in Who's our life. Who's saying that? These are people that are part of lumber companies that are suppliers. This sounds um, more like that happy disease nonsense. No, this is like <laughs> okay. So this is a guy who is—he's a Canadian logger and truck driver. Well, never and, mind. I take that back. Okay, and apparently, not because he's Canadian, because <laughs> he's a logger. And he a says, truck driver. He says, everybody's hot and heavy about the business we're in, and to us, it's kind of funny because this is a did generational he really, did, run. Did he, did he really say hot and heavy? He does. You're damn right, yep. he did. Start now, this over. is Chip Setzer, Director of Trading and Growth at Mickey, a commodities his, trading platform. His name is Chip? His name is Chip Setzer. He says, I would venture to guess there's nobody alive that has ever seen what we're going through right now. Interesting. They make a connection here. Uh, they use an analogy of oil and gas. They say timber and lumber refer to different things. Timber is raw fiber from the forest. Lumber is manufactured product. You can think of the chain like the oil industry. The unprocessed oil is the log. The refinery is the sawmill. The gas is the lumber. I think there's both under the mining industry too. Yeah. I think they are. So where I've seen this in my industry is it's driving up the price of existing homes. Um, It's making that more of a, a fight and also small businesses that do decks and fences. I was going to say, you, could, you can wipe out remodeling. Yeah, a lot of small contractors are probably 
let's Tits see. Up, man. Honey, should we spend four times the amount we were going to spend, or should we just wait a year yeah. and see where the market's at next year? Or should year? we just plant some it, trees? It's the same exact thing that happened with home homes last year. Remember how the home market took a kind of a crash last year? A little bit. Everybody needed to see what happened. Hmm. Well, then everybody got their Trump bucks and their Biden bucks and their PPP money times hmm. four if you had all these different shell companies. Right. Now everybody's got a new boat and a new house. Yeah, I missed the boat part. I didn't get the boat. Don't get me started. I did get a new shower head, though, so that was exciting. I got a text that told me to email somebody from the state, and I did all that. And and still no love. All right. Well, I got some more news. This is from uh, social media bragging how life is good. They got it. This is from the Denton Record Chronicle. Denton? New Jersey? No. Texas legislator legislature New advances York bills to shield oil and gas from climate initiatives. Remember that old commercial? I don't. New York City. I don't remember that one. That was get a rope. Yeah. It was paste picante sauce. I wow. Anyway, start oh, over. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right, the salsa. Okay. Start over. Anyway, here we go. Texas legislator advances bill to shield oil and gas from climate initiatives. Two bills that were advanced by the Texas legislature this week attempt to protect the state's oil and gas industry from efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The House on Tuesday gave its final approval to Senate Bill 13, which would require state entities, including state pension funds and Texas' massive K-12 school endowment, to divest from companies that cut ties with or boycott fossil fuel companies. Oh, yeah, they're doing The legislation stuff. bites back at some Wall Street investors that have pulled financial support for the oil industry in an effort to curb carbon emissions that contribute hey, to... I, North Dakota so now we're just... Too. It's interesting is that biz, big business is now, interestingly, in the middle, where you have the traditional champions of big businesses nailing on them for bitching about you know moving the uh, Major League Baseball pro game out that kind of stuff and then you're you know coca-cola angry about what's going on in atlanta and georgia with voting and now you've got well it's no longer uh, about profit but but so now you have businesses that are making a decision and then government responding to that decision by saying okay well we're not going to help you anymore right, right. that's what's interesting well that's what's going on here is that it's not about profit anymore and it's not about risk they already have the people in place they want to do the jobs. And by mm-hmm. people, I mean corporations. Because corporations are people too. That's right, baby. Right? Yep. Mitt Romney said I got that binders, famously. Binders full of yeah. people. So I think there's a lot of that where in the government's mind, and at this point, sure, it's a monolithic creature, whatever it is. But when people have been there for my whole lifetime, like my entire lifetime, a lot of those people are still there. Mm-hmm. Well, that, then I can say the government. It's a gig, man. Well, it's theirs. Yeah, They've been running the show. Yeah. And they've got the influence and the power. So if they look at certain companies and corporations as, okay, that checkbox is filled, well, it just seems like that's the way it's going. Mm-hmm. You know, they're squeezing everybody else out in some way or another. Well, and the the response to this, you know, with Texas this doing ESG that, stuff, you know, yeah. well, and by Texas, by, by putting these bills out, you know, that'll be, so they had pushed. Basically, are you going to be able to outspend the government? That's it, what I'm saying. The bill would prevent cities or municipalities from discriminating, quotes, against natural gas by barring them from restricting the if, use. If you're going up against a corporation and you win 
and they get bailed out by the government. That's what I'm saying. Even right. when you beat Goliath, if there's a super Goliath behind there that was supposed to be helping you out, yeah. Well, that how how do you how, how do you do that? That's why, and, I, and, and people are starting to see that more and more because a lot of states run that way, right? A lot of states run absolutely, that way. yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting because in a lot of ways. We don't want to hear from big business, except if they're saying something we want to hear, right? If they're saying something we don't want to hear, why are they talking? They should just shut up and do what they do. Play Disney movies, play baseball, play basketball. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's another form of hypocrisy. But what I think is interesting is that you got a state government that's saying, okay, well, we're going to put in place a way to make sure that it's protected. Be interesting to see the legal battles back what, and forth. I'll right? tell you, I'll give you a really interesting and silly example of ridiculousness of what I don't even know what you want to call it. Okay. Okay. In Fargo, North Dakota, in downtown, downtown. they ripped out the city block, and the governor, his uh, construction development company, That's right. put up this giant soda sopa, this big. Uh, a billion dollar condo. I mean, how many stories is that? 17, 15, 13? I have no idea. It'll be but the tallest building in. One of them, if not, I think it's the tallest in the, in the taller city. Taller than the Hops Dryer. It's up there with the Radisson right <laughs> yep. next door. It was tall enough that the uh, PBS had to move their satellite because it got in the way. Got in the way. Yeah, it yeah, did. I read so, about that. Yeah. And construction never stopped, man. And next to it, there's a place they, they call it a green space. That's what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Right next to it, they have a green space. So the whole time, they sold it as a green space. And what is it? Is so it- the final product is this. It's an amphitheater. Mm-hmm. A small one for small concerts, you know, for ten people to show up and watch. Okay, right. And and I mean, in their mind, probably several hundred, but that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> right. And and then during the winter, they have ice rink, so a dozen people can skate. That's a green space. Okay. Okay. It's astroturf and fake whatever. Oh, it's man. all concrete. It's all concrete, but they make it look like it's it's outdoorsy. Right. So they call it a green space. I don't understand that, how the government funds that, endorses it, and allows it just because one of the richest guys in the state is behind it. Well, maybe because he's the governor, too. Yeah, I know, but that's what I'm saying, to where somebody's got to be able to... Right. Th- well, this how is, do you speak that truth to the power, like man? This is changing language oh, here. I mean, this Well, is I thought you were going to say that they actually put in a park, but the building is so damn tall that the shadow just kills everything. You know, that no, type of and, thing. Oh, no, and that's the irony <laughs> behind it is that it's, the, the, the it's government, green concrete. The government has now rejected the industrial forest yeah. to put trees in as a city park mm-hmm. and has funded the ripping out of right trees in order to put in something called the green space that has nothing green about it so you should have sold an amphitheater it's unreal yeah you can't make it up it's a topsy-turvy land so good luck that's like that's like that's like they just took an old uh, basketball court and painted it green and called it a day none of that fancy astroturf yeah what else we got here let's uh before i get too wound up well it's just it's it's so annoying when it's just so obvious and so blatant yeah 
Well, we should probably get it wrapped up here. I mean, I got all kinds of stuff to get ready for. You can see behind me, we've got the half the Industrial Forest constructed now. Yeah, it was fun, man. Industrial Forest Studios. It's mobile. It's getting there. Well, it will be. It's getting there. We got, we know, the hard hats are coming out, the coffee tumbler, all of their travel tumblers. Travel tumblers, man. Those are travel tumblers. Stainless steel travel tumblers. Actually, that thing is durable enough that it could also rank as home security in a pinch. Definitely smack somebody in the head. Smack a lock. Yep. Of course, coming up in the, just a few minutes, Tiffany Wilson, Rolfson Oil, big announcement. Bum, bum, bum. You know, she hit the 1% on LinkedIn. Really? Yeah. Her wow. post about her, you know, looking for a new job That's or right. whatever. Yeah, it blew up, didn't it? It blew up, and I got 1% on LinkedIn for the day. And wow. we got her coming up next, Woo! right here on the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by Chewy Paws. All natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs. USA sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, ChewyPaws.com. That's ChewyPaws with a Z.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. All right, welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. We got a special guest on the line. Special guests, plural, on the line. Tiffany Wilson, as well as Kristen Victoria and Jay Rolfson Oil. How are we doing today, Tiffany Wilson? We'll start it off with you. How are you today? Good, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for coming on this program. Big announcement in your world. 
You've yes, uh, you've accepted a new position for a new company, and yes, I'm sir. sure there's lots of people out there who are dying to know what it is. And if they've missed it on social media, uh, let's let's do the announcement. If you wouldn't mind, I'll hand it off to you, Miss Tiffany Wilson. So I'm here in Littleton, Colorado, with my new family at Robson Oil. All right, and we got we got Kristen with Victoria and Kristen, Jay. Kristen, Victoria, Carl, Jaybird. Hey. Oh, I didn't write down Carl's name. Sorry, Carl. Okay, Carl. No write that down. And Carl, I wrote it with a K, so I hope I wrote down impromptuly right. That is correct. Hey, all right. I, I had a 50-50 choice on that one. Good deal. Yeah. Well, let's start off a little bit about Rolfson Oil, what it is you guys do, who's your customer, and, you know, give yourself a little bit of a, you know, 60-second plug, if you wouldn't mind. So here at Rolfson Oil, we are an energy provider. Not only do we deliver bulk diesel to drilling rigs, frack sites, um, any LTL location that's production or businesses, but we also do dual fuel. So if you have needs for compressed natural gas, um, liquid natural gas, if you want to use your field gas coming straight off your line to lower your footprint, that's what we're all about. I'm familiar with the name Rolfson Oil because of the Bakken, but here you guys are in Littleton, Colorado. I think think I've seen it down in Texas, too. Uh, talk to me about the different shale plays you guys are in and, you know, the kind of the history of the company. We did. So we started up in the Balkan up in North Dakota. That's where we originated from. And then we went from there over here to Colorado, um, expanded into Colorado, Wyoming, and then made our way down to the Permian in Texas and New Mexico and over into South Texas into the Eagleford with plans to be the number one provider of all of Texas in the next six months, one year maybe. All right, so you guys are going to be coming into Texas a lot more. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. So there's there's kind of some refocus that's happening. Um, there's, there's a lot of people. You know, we talked about this for years uh, on this program, and I've mentioned this quite a bit in the last several years, that a lot of very smart people have told me that over the next 20 years, and this was five years ago, that 70% of the drilling is going to come out of the Permian. Talk to me about the Permian. Why, what's going on down there? How, how can we expand it bigger? So the Permian is already our biggest market that we're in currently. We have a very strong sales team here at Austin, and we couldn't be more happy to have Tiffany as part of our family now. And it's just, you know... We get bigger and better every day, and we grow, and we listen to our customers. And not only do we come to them to provide diesel, but we listen to where they're headed as their company and how we can help them grow to be where they need to be and also, you know, where we fit in on that. All the different kinds of fueling that's being done out there. All right. Well, Tiffany, what's, what, what is your new role, I guess? What is your official new role? So I'm going as the U.S. sales manager. Um, most of these sales ladies out here, they know exactly what they're doing in each region. So I'm just here to help, but Texas and New Mexico is a main play of mine. So by the way, I've got a basic question for you guys. I like to ask pretty much everybody this question because the oil and gas industry is pretty diverse. You know, we got the upstream, midstream, downstream, salmon stream, trout stream. So there's a lot of different streams. I like to ask people specifically, you know, who is your customer? Is it, you know, is it just the oil and gas operators or is there other people involved? Some people even do business with municipalities and, you know, governments and that sort of thing. So talk about who exactly your customer is. 
everybody. I mean, it could be if government to oil companies to support companies to school districts to city. I mean, you name it, we we'll do it. We don't discriminate. Yeah, Anyone don't that discriminate. needs fuel, we're coming for you. You know, you're taking a look at over the next year. You know, what what's your vision for the company over the next year? Keep in mind. There's a lot of different political stuff going on. You know, Tiffany said she didn't want to get political, but it's hard not to be in today's day and age because there's so much reliant on regulations. And, For you know, sure. there's this EV push where they're putting more money into EV vehicles than roads. So it's just, it seems like there's, there's a big... I mean, big, everything's trending that direction, right? Yeah. I mean, they have to with the new, you know, the new... That's the new norm, and everybody has to you know, reduce their, their carbon footprint. We've recognized that. We're trying to get ahead of our competition on that aspect as well, too, and just you know, reverting from the typical oil. You know, we just do diesel and oil, and you know, we're starting to become an energy provide an energy company instead of just doing you know the one thing. So, um, I mean, you know, the the industry's changing, and we realize that we need to change with it. Well, you know, and I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, expanding your your offerings and your services and, and you know, adapting and growing and that sort of oh, thing. You have to. If you're not changing and not evolving, then you're you're gonna you're gonna fall with the dinosaurs, right? And you're gonna die. Well it's the ABC's a business, right? Always right. be changing. Always be changing. ABC's a business. The the different offerings I can see it's just it's a little bit different when it's happening at a, at a rapid pace for oh, yeah. a lot of different companies and, and especially in a lot of different areas when it comes to the regulation side of things. So um, good to hear that you guys are, are changing with that. Are, are you um, able to share some of the ways that you've, you know, changed? Is there, you know, you mentioned diesel. Okay, let's start with diesel. Okay, so you not only do diesel, but you, you do other fuels too. We do diesel. We do, we're, 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 we're really pushing hard on, on, on natural, on the, uh, Site gas. So, I mean, that's the way that everybody wants to go. And that's a cheaper way for all of our climbing, your bigger oil companies to uh, to run their operation, their fracks, their rigs, their just everything, right? I mean, and um, that's the direction we're heading. Uh, how much of it's becoming economical and, and the innovation being being layered in there now? Um, is, is that happening? We're, we're, for sure. Okay. It's definitely happening. I mean, I think... Um, I forgot what the carbon footprint. Uh, it's, I think they're supposed to be. I don't. I can't quote what what they're supposed to be getting it down to right now. But I mean, everybody is definitely pushing hard to reduce their carbon footprints, and Colorado is probably the fastest paced one doing that right now. And um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're heading that direction, and we've had we've had a lot of success with our clients. How is it that uh, that can happen? I guess from a vehicle standpoint, you know, because sometimes that, that that can become a little bit tricky at times. Um, yeah, it can become tricky. It took then, California twenty years, you know. It did, and I think the rest of the rest of the industry is going to have to go that direction as well, too. Because I mean, the you know the oil companies are going to be responsible for all to their support, you know. Everyone on the fracks or the drilling rigs, too, that come out there, they're responsible for their carbon footprint as well, too. So we're already looking at that and making changes to, to head that direction because, I mean, we want to make sure our clients are taken care of, and it's all about our clients. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so, you know, you can make changes in the office and in the immediate surroundings, that sort of thing. You can make changes 
in vehicles and transportation with, with those types of emissions. I bring up California because I do think California did a pretty good job of, of being a leader of trying to reduce emissions in vehicles and transportation because they, they had smog issues, you know. And, and so, Absolutely. Um, talk to me a little bit about the community side of things. I know it's out in the box. You guys have been pretty good about giving back to the community, but, boy, you guys have grown quite a bit. Um, how, how is it... You know, are you guys still getting out and in the community, giving back and that sort of thing? Talk to me about that, because that's that's part of this whole, you know, ESG environmental movement, too, is being a little bit more transparent with the, uh, you know, shaking, what, what do we call it? Shaking hands and kissing babies. Yeah, we love babies. So, no, we, we're heavily involved in oil patch kids, and, um, and we try to give back to local, you know, schools, and uh, we're always starting different different projects to, to help and um we also have a lot of projects overseas that we do and support different orphanages and places like that um and uh, also locally as well too so i mean you have to you have to do both and i mean you know god blesses you with good company and you have to give back i'd be remiss if i didn't ask something about safety uh, a lot of regulations you mentioned colorado so right away i think regulations but um, there's a lot of safety certifications, regulations that have to go into uh, different things. Um, I don't know if you've got any specialized certifications that you know make you above and beyond everybody else. Feel free to mention that. I think, I think everybody's on the same level as far as being safe. I mean, well, that's what know. I was wondering. I wanted to ask yeah. you about that. Just I don't if you've got some you know magic certification please of course pl- we're please, safer than everybody else for sure please so, mention it but just I overall mean, talk about how the industry's changed no, I mean, in the, the world of safe become very very safe and um i mean I, you know everybody's you know you're everybody's an is net world and everybody you know has to everybody's on the same level playing field i believe of that i mean i don't think I, I would for sure say that we are but i mean realistically we're, we're everybody i think is on the same level right there how do you think that is for business? Do you think that uh, have we gone too far? Are we on? You think that's the right amount of safety? Do we, you know, do, should we be focusing elsewhere in other areas? Because, I mean, there's three or four companies that just that, that all, all they do is make sure people are certified in each state. For sure. I mean, I mean, it's always a cover your ass thing, right? I mean, everybody has to do that, and everybody has to. I mean, it's unfortunate. It means the way business is nowadays. So, man, it's it's do the job quickly and safely. And um, I just worry that you know sometimes you know overeducating people start tuning out pretty quick, and then it kind of has a counteractive effect. And I'm starting to yeah, when I'm starting to see there's more certification acronyms after somebody's name than their name. Okay, now we we got to start having different discussions yeah, with people. Yeah, this person's a lawyer now. <laughs> right. And that's the other new normal. You haven't run into that, have you? We're, we're, actually, our, 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 uh, our lead safety person is actually an attorney. <laughs> well, kind of some of these new, you know, somebody has a new project, especially in Colorado, but in the Bakken to a certain extent, too, with the Davis Refinery. Um, you know, the new normal is you might have a little more litigation than, than you expected and, and that sort of thing. So that's what I was saying. I hope you guys haven't ran into that too. No, I mean, we, we have the same, you know, hurdles to overcome with safety as everybody else. I mean, I I don't think that we're, 
you know, that's when that's not really one of our selling the selling points. I mean, there's definitely we comply with everybody's safety needs. We try to go above and beyond it, and um, when you know where where we can, what we can do, and um, I mean, we just try to we just try to out hustle and work harder than everybody else. All right, just a few more questions here. Got a, uh, one about COVID. How did you uh, handle COVID? Was that uh, something that you had to go through? quite a bit of changes or absolutely COVID was actually really good for us. Um, we got to kind of take a step. I mean, obviously we shrunk like everybody else did and, um, it gave us a really good opportunity to kind of step back, look at our company and, you know, redefine who we were as a, as a, as a corporation. Right. And, um, that's, you know, why we kind of started changing to energy company from a diesel fuel company. And, um, uh, you know, we were able to shrink up a couple, some of our other facilities and, you know, buy a bigger facility and, you know, become more streamlined. And uh, I think it's better for, it was for sure better for us that that happened. It was actually a, it was bad, but it was good. And I mean, it ended up being a, being a good thing for us. Well, I don't want to go through it again, but let's, you know, let's, I'd rather, well, I'd rather uh, stay on the path of, you know, oil go up and, it's scary when oil goes to like negative numbers, right? Like, okay, are you guys going to deliver us fuel? Are you going to pay us to take your fuel? Like, uh, we're not delivering today. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody remembers that day when the oil was negative 20 something. I'll never forget. It was on 420 Cause I remember, th- <laughs> I remember thinking you got to be high to have negative oil. Oh, man. Right? I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was like, Oh wow. Oh, we, like, we kind of, does that happen? We jo- we kind of pontificated a little bit in March, just because when I looked at the history of oil, it got down to like single digits once in like the eighties during I think the uh, right during the Jimmy Carter era, right? And so yeah. we just floated it out there if it could fall under ten bucks because there was enough tea leaves to see that things were different, and when it went negative, I uh, that didn't make any sense to me except for. I could see it coming, or I just thought something weird was going to happen. And then when the new uh, energy secretary got in, uh, Gina McCarthy, or that's not Gina McCarthy. She's in charge of the uh, EPA. Uh, I'm sorry, the, um, yeah, EPA. And whoever the new energy secretary is, too. Anyways, they're chiming that negative oil could be in the future again. And I don't like hearing that stuff. Oh, let's hope not. No, that makes me want to get in the oil storage business because then you can make bank. That's the that's right. the ebb, that's the ebb to that flow is on that. But um, so okay. Well, I was going to ask you. Just do you mind giving me an example of you know maybe how you changed pre COVID, post COVID? Was there you know was there a certain area that you invested more in versus the other, or a certain service? Well, I mean, our facilities for sure were the biggest part of it and okay. changing, changing that up. I mean, it, in the beginning, we had a lot of different facilities and we were, we were, uh, we were growing so fast and we were kind of putting, I want to say makeshift facilities up at places, but, you know, there's smaller facilities and we said more of them. And then, so we kind of put everything into to a, a few facilities and, um, we started, uh, you know, really putting, uh, manpower into that and we said you know we were hot seating a lot of trucks and then we started assigning trucks to more drivers and accountability and um you know just are we up we really upped our mechanic staff and uh i mean just you know looking at different procedures and 
um, just, you know, different, uh, you know, uh, technology as well, too, to help with it and working on our customer service. Yeah, I can, I can imagine probably even um, more, I don't know, everybody goes to the Zoom meetings and, and all these different telecommunication things. Oh, for sure. Um, and I get it, we you know, home offices and, and just kind of um, doing some efficiencies on, on that side of things. On the driver's side, was there any changes that that you can think of? And honestly, the only one I can think of off the top of my head is whether they need some sort of uh, vaccine card to go from state to state. That's that's the only well, thing I could think of. We didn't of. have that, and hopefully, it, it doesn't come down to that ever. So, and I think everybody. I mean, I know some people are very big on the vaccines. I mean, you know, people that want to get the shot normally are great, but I mean, forcing people to do that is definitely. I don't, I don't think that's right. So, I mean, if you normally get the shot, then I mean, more power to you. But if you don't, and you, I mean, trying to make people get that, I think is not, not right. No, it's very worrisome, and that's why I was asking. If you, if, you right. get, if, if you're in the truck driving world, you're on the forefront because some airlines a lot they, they require it. Airlines, really? Oh yeah, that you've got it. You got to prove. You got a doctor's note. Yeah, you got to have a doctor's note that see before it was that you got positive tests that you did not have it, and then right. some. Some airlines now you got to have the the vaccine card or whatever they're talking about. And when I was traveling back from Colorado, um, I was going through South Dakota and I ended up at a federal checkpoint in the, um, I, I forget what Indian reservation it was. I think it was a Sioux, Sioux nation Indian reservation. And, and that's when I'm going, okay, this is the new future. This is the right. new future where you're just going to have random federal checkpoints looking for certain things. And, you know, they eyed my vehicle in and out and everything. Oh, coming back from Colorado, huh? I thought, oh, boy, here comes the... Here <laughs> comes the thought you had, like, wheat in there. Oh, yeah, like here the, comes the like, plastic oh, gloves. With, in the back. Yeah, the, the freedom search is coming, you bet. And stuff like that. So, anyway, uh, no, they were just uh, doing, you know, the Sioux Nation was under a big COVID thing. So, that was oh, all right, that was. I But I saw the template being started, and I saw everything. So, anyway, I didn't mean to sidebar a little bit, but... No. But some people in the transportation industry do know what we're talking about, that these conversations are being had. And hopefully there's more people like you and your voice being heard because I happen to fall in your camp. Then the, I agree. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Don't make people do it. If people feel comfortable doing it, then, I mean, for sure you should do that. But if you don't, then, I mean, don't force someone to do it. And you don't need to force your will upon someone else like that as far as control, control matters go. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's transition back to the world of oil and gas. So, all right, let's uh, let's kind of reset, give everybody an idea of what it is, the services that you guys do, the different shale plays. Just kind of a quick overview of the who, what, when, where of, of Rolfson Oil. Okay, perfect. So, here at Rolfson, we deliver bulk diesel to drilling rigs and frack sites. We're also an energy provider, so if you have compressed natural gas, liquid natural gas or field gas needs were your go-to company. We're kind of at the forefront of everybody of, of knocking down doors and really growing and being more diversified as, you know, everyone's calling for smaller footprints. Um, we are in North Dakota. We're in Colorado, Wyoming, Texas, New Mexico um, with hopefully in the near future, it's going to expand out even further than that. 
Hey, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Uh, I know you guys are, you know, you do a lot with the trucking and, and transportation. You know, I used to work for a trucking company. I would uh, wash semis, best summer job I ever had in my life. Shirt was off, got a golden tan, got to listen to music, and I washed the semis out in back of the yard. It was great, man. Best, like I said, best job I ever had. But one thing I always knew about semi drivers, man, they were always hiring. And what a competitive yeah. industry. Holy smokes. Yeah, it's, it'd be like, um, it'd be like that. Uh, sorry. So, uh, no, that's okay. I was just wondering, I, I imagine no, you guys are, like that. are you guys always hiring or, or are you guys yeah. hiring or no? Well, talk to me about that a little bit. If you're looking for a job, stop by one of our locations. We've got an office in Odessa. We've got an office here in Colorado, Wyoming, North Dakota, Stop in, fill out an application. You can go online. Um, we've got really great benefits here at Rolfson. We've got insurance, 401k, retirement. I mean, pretty much across the board, but we also offer housing. Oh, housing too? Yes, we have we have housing. Okay, wow. Well, you guys really have the Cadillac treatment. We do. We, we're a family here at Rolfson without a doubt. How can people know? I mean, do you have a website that specifically to hires, or is there a link on, on your website? Or Yeah, if you just, just go to rolfsonoil.com, click on the top right-hand corner, and go down to careers, and we've got direct links to everywhere that we're hiring for. Outstanding, and we'll make sure we have the links on our website, too, so that people can link to that as well. That would be amazing. Yeah, and uh, what's are you guys on social media, too? We are. Uh, we've all all the different we've ones? Got, or? We've got LinkedIn and Facebook. She works together, don't need to work. We talked about how there's nothing like the earth. How the universe goes on. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard. Is sponsored in part by Chewy Paws, all natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs, USA sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas, and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, chewypaws.com. That's Chewy Paws with a Z.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. 
Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Time now to work hard on the Swan Energy phone lines. Hi, my name is Rick Henders. I'm with American Well Test Incinerators. American Well Test Incinerators. Boy, that's got some cool words in it. Let's let's find out what it is that you guys do specifically in the oil and gas industry. Right on, Jason. Well, thanks for uh, the, the interview here. We provide incinerators. We're burning natural gas for oil and gas companies, operators. Uh, our equipment eliminates the need for a flare stack or a visible flame on location. Flaring is, flaring is offensive to a lot of people. There's emissions coming off of it. It, is, uh, it. it tells everybody what we're doing. So with our equipment, when we move on one of our incinerators or a couple, sometimes it's needed if the gas flow is higher, we can burn the natural gas instead of using a flare stack. There's no visible flame, no smoke, no odor, complete destruction of noxious gases, and uh, it's just a, a win for pretty much everybody. Of course, buzzwords like ESG, environmental movement, eco, caneco, whatever you want to call it. Uh, talk to me about that environmental side of things. You know, I, I would have to imagine this is what oil companies want to be hearing. You are right. Uh, environmental stewardship, ESG, climate tech innovation. Yeah, we fit into all of those categories. It's just a way to minimize emissions. The public wants us to be doing that. We should be doing that. And as I said, environmental stewardship with our equipment, we can help operators burn natural gas as it's needed to happen sometimes. We all, I think we all can agree that it's best if we can gather that gas and sell it, but it's not all the time possible. So sometimes if there's takeaway infrastructure isn't in place yet and the oil company has to do a, a flow back, a well test, uh, we can burn that gas off for them and there's no emissions and no visible flame on location. So it's a great thing. What are you finding to be your biggest obstacles getting this into the marketplace? You know, it's tough sometimes when you get all the boxes checked and it's a no-brainer, but... Boy, getting it into the marketplace, that's a whole different story. I think one of the biggest things is overcoming. Uh, I get this all the time, Jason. You know what? I've been doing this my whole life, and we've been burning gas with a flare stack, or used to be venting back in the day. Uh, we don't need you. I said, and I always tell those people who give me that line, Listen, don't lose my card because regulations are changing and you're going to have to be changing up the way you do things yourself. So just changing that, that mindset, I think, is the biggest thing. Education. Awareness. Education. Yep. 
repetitiveness it, too. Yeah. You know, a lot of times people people need to be told a few times. You know, at least I, I know that I was told many times before I learned things. At least that's that's my parents used to say. Do you know how many times I got to tell you before you learn? So, uh, yep. how, how many different shale plays are you guys in? Does it now? I, I like to give the example. You know, there's this guy who's got a $600,000, you know, generator that only works in wet gas. You know, that's a very specific item. Uh, Do you have, does it work in all shale plays? Is there a specificity behind what you're talking about? Uh, Talk to me about the product and the different shale plays. Or or just, you know, non-traditional too, I guess. Right. It's interesting you ask that. Uh, So we work in all shale plays to answer a quick answer to your question. We originated in Alberta, Canada many years ago, uh, about 16 years ago. And we had many calls over the years to expand into the United States. And so we have done that. We've worked in the Boston. We've worked out in the Marcellus, Utica. Pretty much any producing province or state in North America we have worked in. We've been up to the uh, North Slope in Alaska. We've been out in New Brunswick down into, uh, out in California, down into the Gulf Coast. So wherever there's natural gas and an issue with clearing, we can help operators with that problem. You mentioned Canada. Of course, one of our regulars, Terry Edom, he's writer for the BOE Report, does a blog called Public Energy Number 1. He's also the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity, but he's out of Calgary up there. And we like to have different conversations about the the way that the Canadian government treats oil and gas and how the American government treats oil and gas. We always talk about, boy, it'd be nice to get that perfect hybrid in there. And from the government side in Canada, they've always been, it seems, more progressive or more ahead of America when it comes to some of these environmental regulations. What have you found with the international business? Have you found that one side is easier to get with with regulations versus the other, or is it just the same? The same needs education on both sides of the border, I guess. Well, I guess that's why we started in Canada sixteen-ish years ago. Uh, the regulations were such that the operators just had to stop burning uh, natural gas on site. Uh, it was either neighbors were pushing to have the flaring eliminated or there was, you know, they wanted to minimize and reduce the emissions. So that's how we got started here. And uh, you're right, or you, I think you're alluded to the fact that things are a little different elsewhere. I have found in the States that uh, the States are a little further behind Canada in making the oil companies minimize or reduce their flaring and reduce their emissions. But it's coming, and it has been coming. Uh, we started in Colorado back in 07, 08. Colorado, now there's certain areas in Colorado where you cannot burn natural gas on site, period. You either have to collect it or re-inject it back into the ground. That's how strict they are in some of the areas there. North Dakota is changing. Uh, we've been helping operators in North Dakota for the last uh, three or four years. There are limits that you can burn on site, and when you exceed those limits, you get fined. So with our equipment, we're helping operators. They can 
burn their gas on site with no emissions, and then they don't hit those limits. And so, hence, no fines. How about down south of the Mason-Dixon line? Any success down in the Permian and all oh, some of the other pl- plays down there? We're starting to get some traction down there. It's a little further behind elsewhere, it seems to me. I continue to get the age-old uh, reply to my sales talk. You know, we don't need you. Thank you for coming, but... And again, my reply is, hey, don't lose our card, don't lose our information because regulations are changing. And we're seeing that all the time. I don't think there's a day goes by on my inbox where I don't get some negative uh, response, negative press about flaring. And when there's negative press about flaring, we can help those issues. Well... Who's your customer then? Is it the, is it the oil company? Is it the, is it one of the midstream companies? Who, who, who do you try to reach out to then? We started out mostly for the oil companies, uh, right on site upstream. That's where most of the flaring is taking place, but midstream as well. We're helping, uh, for instance, pipeline blowdowns when they have to blow out the natural gas out of pipelines to do some maintenance work. Well, we can flare off. We can burn that gas for them with no visibility and no emissions. And then uh, downstream as well, right, at the uh, production facilities. Okay. Anything we, anything we left out? Anything that uh, you want to make sure we uh, reiterate or, you know, anything along those lines, if you, maybe the technology side of things? Well, the technology side of things, I mean, we got a premium piece of equipment. If you can picture a 40-foot-tall Coors Light can that's skid-mounted, it pulls on the location on the back of a tractor-trailer, quickly stood into place with a small crane, uh, hook up the flowback or the well-testing separator to our equipment, press the on button, and that's as hard as our equipment gets to operate. Press the on button, and it's up and running. You've got two igniters working in there steady. And uh, if there's, when gas is introduced into the combustion chamber, we have ignition and we're, we're taking off. We're burning gas. So you just bring the big uh, big beer can up to the well site, hook up a hose, and that's it, huh? <laughs> yeah. It sounds kind of goofy when you say it like that, but it, that's, that's, that's as easy as it gets, as hard as it gets. Used to have a couple of keggers and, in college. Uh, we did the same thing, but they're totally different results. <laughs> <laughs> Totally different result. Yes, sir. Well, how can people get in touch with you and find out some more information or do some business with you? Jason, thanks for asking that. My name is Rick Henders, and uh, email address is rick, R-I-C-K, at awincinerators.com. And phone number is 403-816-7116. Exclusive interview industry news environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com
Life with Jason Spies. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can see for my 20 companies, they take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. I'm Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so... <laughs> The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Dr. Lauren Scott, energy expert and economist, as well as Professor Emeritus at Louisiana State University. This is Dr. Lauren Scott. I think of where we were before, where we are now, and you know, I, I'd hate to see you know interest rates tickle up a percent or two because that would that would do quite a bit of halt too. Well, it would it would have somewhat, but still, I mean, I, I shared some information at a, a real estate trends conference I spoke at last week, and I was showing them the trend in mortgage interest rates by a quarter going all the way back to 1981. And even though interest rates are expected, mortgage interest rates expected to go up about a full percentage point between now and the end of 2022, they're still going to be very low by historical standards, still under 4%, uh, or 4% or just under 4%. And so those are still rates that I don't think will be will not really hurt uh, the, the housing market very much. And, and, and on top of that, you have a group of people called the Millenniums who are aging. Now, they are approaching that age when people buy their house for the first time. And there's quite a wave of these people that's going to increase the demand for housing separate and apart from the increase in the demand for housing that's taking place because of the work from home phenomenon, which I think will ease some, but not. I don't think we're going to go back to where we were before. To listen to the full-length interview with Dr. Lauren Scott, Professor Emeritus at Louisiana State University and President of Lauren Scott & Associates, or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our ever-growing army of social media energy enthusiasts by clicking on our social media tab. We have the YouTubes, the Facebooks, even the Twitters are now at thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies asking, and always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. 
Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in, in Texas. Sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this, is, this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, there are, and, and let me just say this, I, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, The grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today. uh, And and there's- It's our snowy here in Lubbock again. I mean, I don't, I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district, but I also represent, uh, in addition to Ector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Ector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those, uh, those materials. And so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one, heat our homes, or two, uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to be even be able to handle a, a, the, you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now, you know, there's gonna be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half the gigawatts went without water since Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on 
will have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, uh, generator, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that's true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on, a, on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? J.P. Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days. The Crude Life, play hard, work hard, is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come.